0: Croeso, welcome to Recovery Now Radio, which is brought to you in conjunction with Adveriad Recovery and Living Room Cardiff. Adveriad Recovery is a registered charity offering specialist support to those with co-occurring substance misuse and mental health conditions. Living Room Cardiff provides ongoing support and aftercare as a community-based recovery centre that has an all addictions approach including gambling, alcohol, drugs, both prescribed and illicit, sex, eating disorders, gaming, etc., or any other harmful behaviour. We welcome anyone who needs confidential support in taking those first important steps towards change and recovery. Family members and friends are also catered for. For further details, please see the Adveria Recovery website www.adveria.org.uk and www.livingroom-cardiff.com danke vauur thank you so much
1: you can get it in.
2: Succeed at last. Welcome to Recovery Now Radio. Mm-hmm. Let's recover together.
3: Yeah. Persecution, you must bear. Win and lose, you've got to get your share. Got your mind set on a dream. You can get it.
2: No it now. You can Recovery get it Now to Radio coming more. to you from the living room and you our backyard. My name is Joe, and our guest today is James. Hi, James.
4: Hi, how are you doing, Joe? Are you okay?
2: I'm really well, thank you. You've come in today to talk to us about your addiction issues and your subsequent recovery. But before we do that, would you mind if I played your first track?
4: Yeah, go for it, yeah.
2: So it's Ben Howard with Keep Your Head Up. Can you tell me why you chose this song?
4: Um, well, yeah, and I really get, you know, I, I feel in this song, uh, particularly the lyrics kind of speak to me, you know, and I, I I kind of in my low points and all of that during my uh, addiction and recovery, I really felt every single lyric in this song. So, uh, yeah, have a listen. Thank you.
5: I spent my time watching The spaces that have grown between us And I cut my mind on second best, all the scars that come with the greenness. And I gave my eyes to the bottom. Still, the seabed wouldn't let me in. And I tried my best to embrace the darkness in which I swim. Now, walking back down this mountain, the strength of a turn and a tide, all oh, the winds so soft. At my skin, yeah the sun's so hot upon my side. All oh, looking out at this happiness, I searched for between the sheets, or oh, feeling blind I realized realize all I was searching for was me. Oh oh.
2: And that was Ben Howard with Keep Your Head Up. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. So, James.
4: Yeah. um, Hi.
2: Hiya. Could you tell us about your first experiences with alcohol and um, what effect that had on you?
4: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, like growing up, I always had a, a, you know, quite a a, a good childhood. I sort of, um, throughout my kind of school years, I I was bullied I moved to a new school in primary school in year five. I went across to another school. But because of my surname, James Hoare, I always got kind of bullied. So, you know, I I, I come from a, a, a really loving home. My, my nan was the, you know, kind of the pillar of the family, my great nan was. And she kind of showed love for everybody. But, you know, I, I sort of kind of found alcohol uh, and smoking and that sort of stuff um, in probably about year... 10 or 11, you know, just as I, I, you know, kind of experiencing that wanting to fit in. I I didn't feel as if I fitted in anywhere. I wasn't, you know, a kind of sports person or, you know, kind of PE or, you know, I wasn't like a popular kid back then when I was small. My nan sort of paid on a Saturday for me to do, you know, drama, singing and dancing. And I started off in stagecoach, which really... Built my confidence and stuff, so I'd get bullied in school, and then I'd hide out down the drama studio. Yeah. Um. And and my uh, wonderful teacher back then, uh, Mrs. Newbert. She uh she was my drama teacher, and she was she was someone back then who really believed in me. But I kind of in year ten and eleven, going through kind of you know those experiences. You know, I just drank you know sort of cider and. You know, going down the park, smoking a bit of weed and <laughs> you know, sort of cigarettes and that, just to kind of you know, I couldn't really embrace who I was, you know.
2: Yeah. So this would have been around the time when as, as with most teenagers, you begin you began to experiment with alcohol and smoking, etc.
4: Yeah, I guess like kind of back then, um, it was experimenting. Um, I mean. As I said, I couldn't fit in with the the popular guys and girls and all of that sort of stuff. So I found the, the the kind of misfits, the the moshers, you know, and they they were cool, man. Like they they seemed accepting. Um, and and I literally hung out down, you know, the the, the school fields or go behind the bike sheds for a smoke or whatever, you know, cigarette and and you know, there'd always be a kind of house party and stuff. There'd be somewhere to go, you know, and and I was always known as you know, kind of, you know, you had those, they used to call me like, the. I was kind of in between everything. So there was some like townies and moshers back in the day. That's what we used to say, you know, but uh, I was kind of in the middle. I kind of got along with everybody, but whilst I was in the moshers, you know, kind of crowd, we'd go to house parties and that type of thing. And I suppose in that culture, uh, the moshers used to, you know, I was a skater. I used to inline skate. So we used to hang out down the skate parks and, and I used to just smoke weed and just BMX and just, you know, partied. <laughs> that was that was like the kind of teenagers. Um, but then my auntie is only like kind of five years older than me. So mm-hmm. at 14, 15, I was kind of going clubbing in Newport as well, because there yeah. was, a uh, you know, I, I could get in with with her. And I used to go to the, you know, kind of clubbing in Newport. So, with the oh, windswept
2: yeah. and interesting characters then.
4: Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely.
2: Moving on to your next track for a second, it's Ed Sheeran with Supermarket Flowers. Um, what inspires you with this song?
4: This song for me, um, as, I, as I'll tell you about after the song, but this, this song for me is just, i have a listen to the song and then I'll explain a bit about it afterwards.
6: Okay. I took the supermarket flowers from the windowsill through the day, old tea from the cup Packed up the photo album Matthew had made Memories of a life that's been loved Took the Garrett Wilson cars and stuffed animals Pulled the old ginger beer down the sink I fell down you'd be there holding me up spread your wings as you go and when God takes you back he'll say hallelujah you're home I fluffed the pillows made the bed stacked the chairs up Folded your nightgowns neatly in a case John said he'd drive then put his hand on my cheek And wiped a tear from the side of my face Now hope that I see the world as you did Cause I know a life with love is a life that's been lived So I'll sing hallelujah You are an angel in the shape of my mom When I fell down, you'd be there holding me up Spread your wings as you go And when God takes you back, you'll say hallelujah To see the person I have become Spread your wings And I know one. God took you by. He said
2: hallelujah You're home You're listening to Recovery Now Radio Let's Recover Together And that was Ed Sheeran With Supermarket Flowers um, I've just been having a look at your brief, James Thank you very yeah. much for choosing that song Because I know it reminds you of your nam Would you like to tell us a little bit about that?
4: Yeah, so I mean Ed in that particular song you know kind of sings about his mum um you're an angel you've got to see the person i become and i think grow, growing up i explained that you know my childhood was was normal it, it, it was great and, and my family loved me but my my great nan kind of she you know she was she was my great nan really not you know my nan um mm. she was as i said the the, the kind of the pillar of the of the of the family so you know, she everyone would go to her. Like she she had enough love for everybody in the family, my mum, my dad. You know, I felt like growing up as a kid, um, I I went to her house and I felt really safe and I felt that I could be myself and I felt that she believed in me and showed me that I was that I had something in, in terms of acting and singing. And she just taught me about life and she taught me everything that I know, you know. I I used to love less as, as a kid, like staying you know, going down there to sleep and stuff and then waking up and playing I Spy in the morning or going to ride my BMX down like the park or wherever she used to take us to. But she was a massive, huge part of my childhood. Like even to now, it's like, I don't know why. Like on my 17th birthday, she passed. She was deteriorating, you know, kind of before that for a little while. She, She was an old lady, you know, she was in her 80s, but... She, I think, like, losing her kind of was a huge, a huge, like, loss to not just me, but the whole of my family. Like, even now, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it kind of still hurts. I'm sorry. Um, but she was just that huge character, and, and I was the closest, you know, I was I was so close to her, you know, and, and and I think missing that, she showed me unconditional love. And it was that love that i never really felt, you know, kind of off anybody else, but, you know, unconditionally, like she was my great nan and I loved yeah. her and still to this day. Like I, I really love her, but Ed Sheeran talks about like, kind of, you know, you were an angel in the the shape of my mum. You have to see the person I become, but she didn't really get to see the person that I become and i wonder if she'd still be alive today whether i would have been an addict or went down that road because she would have made sure i wouldn't have gone down the road but yeah i'm sorry
2: yeah no worries <laughs> you know. james
4: yeah yeah so it was so, that um, still hurt yeah yeah, really yeah does. but you know i know she'd be I proud of me now yeah, yeah. yeah
2: so the matriarch of the family
4: yeah and definitely. um yeah she the was.
2: unconditional love that you spoke about, that's something that's quite rare, I think, these days, because a lot of love is conditional, isn't it? So I think yeah. to receive that when you already don't feel that you fit in is must have been a huge thing for you. And you mentioned um, that was when your um, escapade with um, alcohol and drugs started.
4: Yeah. Could, so...
2: Can you tell me what happened afterwards, what, after she passed?
4: On the on the day of her passing, or just in a general? little bit after that when you started so, with the alcohol and that. Yeah, um, I, I guess I didn't want to acknowledge her passing. Um, it, it took me very many years to to pass. I mean, I was going out uh, to, to to clubs like Evolution back in the day, and you know, doing pills, you know, and and just drinking a lot. It, it started off, you know, kind of. I used to have fun. It took me away from myself, and uh, I didn't have to think about the uncomfortable feelings and emotions uh, around my nan at the time. And I guess, like when that unconditional love suddenly disappears, like you, you know, you kind of just, you know, I I I partied hard a little bit, and yeah, to I, I just went a bit bit crazy, mm. and then you know started to drink, and I thought that it was normal back then. It was just, a, you know, kind of in society and stuff, but, you know, I didn't, didn't realize I, I kind of, I progressed and I did a show in school after she died and I, I played the main lead in two shows um, mm-hmm. before leaving the school. And funnily enough, all the bullies that used to bully me kind of had a respect for me then sort of thing, yeah. you know, when I was the main lead in the, in the musical because of my drama teacher I mentioned earlier. Um, but you know, I was gutted that she she wasn't able to see those those shows. I I just kind of feel like you know that she'd be looking down on me, and my life just went from from you know kind of bad to worse, like sort of thing. Um, I, I got in I got in a relationship that was, you know, looking back on it, you know, it was you know not 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 really right. Um, yeah, but I kind of was was supposed to go to like London to, to you know, I my, my dreams was to go to London to be an actor, to go on the West End stage, that type of thing. But that didn't happen because um, my my path was different. And I met a, a woman who, you know, kind of, I, I think at the time, like kind of showed me some unconditional love and, you know, I kind of jumped at that. But uh, before I know it then, well, most of my 20s are gone.
2: Yeah. Well, James... I'm sure your great nan is super proud of you. I'm mm. absolutely sure of that. And I am and I'm who knows what, you know, what happens after this round. But if she can see what you're up to now, she would be amazingly oh, proud. Oh, definitely.
4: No, she she yeah. 100% like, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: So we'll talk a little bit more about what happened to you after your next track, which is Rag and Bone Man with Lay Me Down. Yes. Um why did you choose this one?
4: <laughs> that is um so this song is very very dark. This is like the most darkest song but it, it gives you an insight to how I felt during that the, the helm of my addiction.
2: Okay a
7: bit more old to wrap around my throat I'm in trouble I'm in trouble. sorry when you lay my body down when he threw me in the ground save your prayers don't shed a tear don't shed a tear for me save your prayers don't shed a tear don't shed a tear for me turn your heart to the trail of souls behind me. Save your prayers. Don't shed a tear. Don't shed a tear for me. All those fearful eyes stay perfect. I'm in trouble
2: That was Rag and Bone Man with Lay Me Down. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. James, that was um, a very poignant song. Yeah, um, it is, yeah. I know we discussed that um, it was at the helm of your addiction and when your life was spiralling out of control. Could you describe um, some of that to us?
4: Yeah, it's kind of like looking back on it now because... I'm three and a half years sober and stuff. So, you know, okay. it's been a little while. Thank you, thank you. But I mean, in 2010, I got married and in 2013, I kind of got divorced. I, I growing up in my twenties, as I said, I had, um you know, kind of met, met a woman and the relationship wasn't very good, but, you know, we had three girls out of it and I have three daughters. Um, who are absolutely incredible, and and I'm so lucky to have those girls still in my life. And they, you know, they fill me with pride all the time. And I'm very, very lucky. But during, I'd say during from 20 to to 30, if you like, my like my drinking got more and more excessive. I was um, drinking alone. I was drinking to medicate. I was uh, to to suppress all my feelings that I you know, I think both of us were truly not really happy in a relationship, but just carrying on because you have kids and, you know, you 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 want to be there, you know, kind of for them as, as, as a dad. But, you know, my drinking and, and it was also the, the kind of resentments that I felt for, you know, not living out my 20s and stuff and, and having the time of my life and all of that. So anyway, we, we kind of divorced in 2013 and um you know that that was that was um that that's where i hit my like my my, my kind of rock bottom really in 2013 um she, she she kind of moved the kids out and i was just sat in the house on my own i was smoking a lot drinking a lot of jack jack, jack daniel sorry in the day not going to work wanting to go out and party I went and moved back at my parents' place, which I don't know whether you've ever moved out when you when you moved out and lived on your own since 18 or 19 and then having to go back to your parents and, you know, and they care about you and they worry about you and you kind of just feel, I kind of, I knew they, they loved me and cared about me, but I think the suffocation of that then is like, you know,
2: yeah, your life's not your own when you move back in with the rents, is it? <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, no, definitely not. And you know, so I, 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 hit a real low point. But then I, that that song represents how I was feeling suicidal. Um, just drinking a lot of the time. I didn't didn't really want to be alive. I didn't see the point of life. I couldn't really see uh, a light at the end of the tunnel. I, 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 mm. I couldn't. I mean, I was just in. limbo I prefer to get absolutely out of my face you know so I didn't have to deal with any of the the serious stuff that was going on at the time um which was a very very hard point in my life until I met Rach um a few you know kind of when I divorced I kind of met Rach which I'll I'll tell you you yeah we'll go into a bit more of this stuff later
2: yeah it all sounds quite painful James but um Let's have a little break and play your next track, which is Porter Robinson with the song called Language.
4: This is a bit what lighter, you... this is. Yeah.
2: What do you yeah, like about this so song, man?
4: Um, so, as I said, I met Rach, and um, when I got divorced and stuff, I- I'll tell you in a minute. How's that? Okay.
2: <laughs> now, All in right. a minute.
4: Yeah, now, in a minute. <laughs>
3: I'll be
2: That was Porter Robinson with language. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. That was a more upbeat song, James. So you were right, and you were talking to me just before it about um, when you just met Rachel.
4: Yes. Can you tell that's us right. more about that? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that song means like so much because it's it's so euphoric in places, and then you can literally go mad the energy levels up with it it's just absolutely yeah. great and I, I can remember um so I I, I just met and I suppose you'd say courting would you say courting oh, at the
2: time yeah courting.
4: yeah this this was a long time so I just come out of um a really you know kind of relationship and I was always you know from from 18 to kind of 29 30 I think I was least when I met I, I don't know don't quote me but I I kind of was bringing up kids and, and doing all this and all so I think you know 2012 I think 2013 was also the year that me and uh, my ex-wife split up but it was the year as well that I met Rach and when I did I was just partying hard and, and we love it like I can remember we used to go she she had a flat in Cardiff not far from town so we used to always be in town I decided at the time I was going through a little mini midlife crisis, if you want to call it. I don't know. But I sold my seven-seater car. <laughs> and I went... <laughs>
2: Amazing.
4: I'm going to sell my car. And it was... a. It, my dad even says to this day, "What? why did you do that, son? You know? But I went and bought a BMW just because. And I was partying. Yes. I bought this black BMW, like three... I don't, I don't know what series it was now back then. But anyway, Rach had this CD, which which this was the first song on the CD. And I can remember driving around in that BMW thinking I was absolute chocolate and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and Rach by Rach by my side as well. And we had, we had such a great time in that. And then I remember she said, have you ever been to Ibiza? I said, I've never been to Ibiza. No. And I've always wanted to go. So in August, like Rach is a doer, you know, you, you tell us something that like, it, it is done. Whoa. So, we, we, we'd been dating for a few months and then we went oh, let's go to Ibiza together and we did and um, I think I had the best time ever but as Rachel she would she she didn't quite so have the best time and I think she found out then that I probably had a bit of a a bit of a problem at the time so yeah you know it was kind of bittersweet that year for me
2: I I remember selling the family car and buying a two-seater car just because <laughs> just because the kids were gone.
4: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think you do like and so it brings back me now, back. Yeah. yeah. And like looking back now, I need another bigger car, you know? Cause yes. you know, you, know, you never know I got the dog and everything and piling in the back. Phase but, two. Oh god, yeah, you know. So <laughs> starting yes, and um I'm actually um getting married um, in just over a week. So me and Rachel getting Congratulations. married. Congratulations! Uh, yeah. So it, it is a bit of a change up. Like, you know, there's so much yeah. I could talk about on this call. I, I really could go into loads of detail on that, but we, we'd be here for five hours at, at least. Yeah. You know. I'll stay.
2: Yeah. All right. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So on to more serious things yeah. then. Um, okay. When you met Rachel and you had that fantastic holiday, and maybe she saw a, a few cracks here and there. Yeah, yeah. Did did you find any difficulties in your relationship? And um, could you explain those to me following that? Uh,
4: you know, the the first, the first I'd say not just that, but the first three to four years we, we had massive difficulties. My dad didn't want me blowing, you know, kind of money on, on a f- car or going to extremes. So I put some money into a two-bedroom flat. Um, I can remember myself and Rach moved in there for a while. I was just kind of drinking every day, you know, just trying to suppress all the emotion, you know, I was still going through it at the, at the time. And I, I, I kind of like, not jumped straight it, but went from one thing to, to another, because I, I don't know why I, you know, didn't take some time out for myself in a year or two just to find and discover who I actually was. But myself and Rach, yeah, we, we we went through some massive ups and she moved out the flat. She couldn't stand my drinking anymore. The amount of arguments that we've had uh, over my drinking um, to, to me hiding the drink. It wasn't so much the the drugs because what happened to you is I used to function on weed. yeah. And I, I in, in the early days of um, you know, when my kids kind of came along, I gave up the weed and it just got replaced with alcohol. So I just replaced that. and 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 we had our, over the years, we've, we've had so many, you know, splitting up, getting back together, moving out, moving back in, can't deal with this, can't deal with that, moving at my, at my parents to moving back. It, it, it just caused absolute carnage because, you know, when I look back and think what my alcohol addiction has put my parents through was, but, you know, Rach had to live that. She was living it with me and that was so difficult for her knowing not only that you you love someone but to watch them just destroying themselves yeah. um, so you know we, we we patched it up after the year she moved in with a friend and then we kind of uh, built built a house in Barry so yeah and i'll i'll, I'll continue the story afterwards <laughs> <laughs> more yeah. will
2: be revealed more will be
4: revealed yeah yeah yeah.
2: So your next track is, oh, you might have to help me. Would you like to introduce this one, James?
4: Yeah. So this is um, this kind of, you know, it was hard to put them into order. But um, this is That Would Be Enough by yeah. um, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, and it's from the the musical Hamilton. But I, I think it's a very powerful song. that, um, And I feel that Rach is talking to me in this. It's It's really weird, but I love it. Have
8: Look around, look around. How long have you known? A month or so. Eliza, you should have told me. I wrote to the general a month ago. No. I begged him to send you home. You should have told me. I'm not sorry. I knew you'd fight until the war was the war's won. Not done. But you deserve a chance to meet your son. Look around, look around, at how lucky we are to be alive right now.
9: Will you relish being a poor man's wife, unable to
8: provide for your life? I relish being your wife. Look around, look around. Look at where you are. Look at where you started. The fact that you're alive is a miracle. Just stay alive, that would be enough. And if this child shares a fraction of your smile, or a fragment of your mind, to look outward, that would be enough. I don't pretend to know the challenges you're facing, the world you keep. Erasing and creating in your mind But I'm not afraid I know who I married So long as you come home at the end of the day That would be enough We don't need a legacy We don't need money If I could grant you peace of mind you could let me inside your heart. Oh, let me be a part of the narrative in the story they will write someday. Let this moment be the first chapter where you decide to stay. And I could be enough. And we could be enough. That would be
2: and that was that would be enough by Lynn Manuel Miranda and Philip Sue from the Hamilton musical Ham- Hamilton musical. Yeah. Um I really listened to that song James and it was it was about pure love and it talked about staying alive. Yeah. and how great things could be and it I don't know your girlfriend Rachel or a wife to be.
1: Yeah. Um, but she
2: sounds like a very strong woman to have stuck with you throughout those hard times. I can see it's quite emotional for you. Can you tell us how you feel about that?
4: Yeah. I mean, like, like Rach is um, absolutely uh, a, a phenomenal woman. And, you know, I think anybody in a relationship. Will we'll, you know to deal with somebody's addiction like, like Rach has and to deal with my addiction? Um, that that, that takes a special kind of woman, really, and that's Rach. And she's got an absolute heart of gold, um, she's incredible. And I, 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 you know, I owe, owe her my life, really. Um, I, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just, um, it's okay, it's a bit, yeah, it but. <sighs> I feel that 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 song really kind of is, is her speaking because with me I'm always onto one project or the next project or want to be you know I think I've I've given up the, the three and a half years of of alcohol, but that that's not enough. I've got to do a skydive. I've got to be the best at be it producing a, a top track because you know I'm a musician DJ and or I've I, I've got to be you know, Rich all the moments. time sort of thing. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what the, you know, the, the musical Hamilton is, It is, is is basically Hamilton wanting to strive to be better and better and better and better and better, or wanting to be, you know, I think because as a kid I was kind of bullied or whatever. I don't know why, yeah. but I, I always wanted to be the center of attention. I always wanted to be that, that guy on stage as a lead actor, or I always wanted to, you know, and, that song just reminds me to ground myself and, and just realize like what I have got. I mean, when I was at the height of my addiction, um, you know, 2017, I can remember Rach phoning the police on me. I had a, a, a bike accident um, where she didn't know where I was. I was, I, I hit, hit the curb, I smashed all my teeth in. I, I think when, he, when I first came into the living room, I had no, no front teeth there because I, I bit a curb basically. She thought I was at my parents. My parents thought yeah. I was home. She kicked me out kind of thing because I was drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on a, a massive like drinking binge. I ended up in in the Heath hospital, not knowing who I was, where I was. I had no phone battery. How I got there. She, she didn't even know. She went to work the next day thinking I was still there. It was only when I got home
3: mm-hmm. that,
4: you know, and that, still wasn't enough to make me stop drinking i still carried on what kind of stopped me drinking is is i mean that the the lovely house we have in back i mean there was a for sale sign i got got home one day and the for sale sign was out the front and you know i never forget the moment that she was leave leaving the house and you know she she meant it and i think that was through the kind of living room as well, she, she got help because she used to go to the family group, and they were saying, you know, to kind of do this. It'll be the best, you know. It, it it's really hard to let him go, is up, but you've got to leave to to put your boundaries in place and detach with love. De- detach exactly that, yeah. And, and she had to detach, and then that is what made me seriously think about my, you know. What, what have I got, what am I starting to lose? I actually wrote about three or four songs within a week. I, I can remember drinking and drinking for a week solid in my house and I wrote about three or four songs uh, at the beginning of my addiction, which hopefully fingers crossed they'd be' be released very soon. so yeah Excellent. It was that yeah. was the turning the turning point for me um, in in my yeah. addiction uh, where I and, and I had you know I was in recovery at the living room from the April. I'm um, still drinking still, but like, I always, it wasn't, it wasn't the same anymore. It was like the back of my head. I always had that recovery kind of, like something was changing within me.
2: Yeah. Once you get those messages in your head and they start <laughs> to sink in that I found that the drinking was, it was never the same.
4: Yeah, exactly. You yeah, you find that? Yeah. Uh, like a hundred percent. I mean, I wasn't getting that initial buzz or, or anything like that, especially drinking on your own. It was like, you know, and I... I think what I was doing in drink, you know, like the, 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 you know, I was very, very fortunate to, you know, nothing really happened in the way of getting my license taken off me, like killing mm. someone in a car or, or drive because I, I did those things. You know, yeah. I, I did drive, I did drink and drive. I did drive with my kids in the car. Sometimes I did drive on a hangover and I just feel yeah. so blessed and lucky that I I didn't really, like, I, I did go to the rock bottom, but it wasn't, it didn't, it affected other people. Yes, my family and friends and everybody around me. But, you know, I was I was getting help just at the right time, I felt. Just at the right time. Great. It was almost like my well, higher power saved me, you know?
2: Yeah, it was yeah. time for you.
4: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well... We'll talk a little bit more about your recovery in a second. I want to move on to your next song, which is Avicii with Silhouettes. Now, I know Avicii is no longer with us. Yeah. Would you like to tell me why this one?
4: Uh, this this is very special uh, to me because I saw him live in Ibiza at Ushuaia and then I watched his documentary and stuff and um, his battle basically with addiction and he lost that battle. So he's not only my idol in DJing, but he is, you know, his story was phenomenal. Documentary on, on, the, you know, his life and stuff. And sadly, he took his life in the end. And and that's mm-hmm. really sad, considering how talented he is.
3: Sure.
2: That was Avicii with Silhouettes. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. I'm I'm loving the soundtrack, James. You're into dance a little bit, I think.
4: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, you know, I, I'm a DJ. I've been a DJ and producer for for many years. It's really strange. Um, we're, we're we're kind of music and stuff. I'm I'm literally being a DJ. I'm into like uh, lots of different genres. So it's been yeah. very, very difficult for me to to choose just eight songs because I could have, as I said the other day, like sort of...
2: In fact, you changed I, your mind, didn't you? <laughs> I did, yeah,
4: yeah. There was a couple in there I wanted to drop and I had to change my mind. But um, yeah, it's, it, it, that's. I guess my song choices are showing you the real me, you know, kind of mixed in with my mask, which is yes. the, the the DJing and the happiness. And, and no one would ever think that you know, seeing me on stage when I'm DJing or when I'm acting or when I'm, you know, kind of whatever I'm doing, you you wouldn't think that I've battled for 12 years with anxiety and depression. And you wouldn't mm. think that I had uh, an, an alcohol alcohol problem. Um, uh, I was an alcoholic. And you wouldn't think meeting me in the street that I, I'm an alcoholic. And that is what the message I'm trying to get across to people. We're still in this kind of stigma that, that, that the alcoholic is on the bench yeah or you know and it can be anybody you know it's it can be anybody and and when I you know moved into recovery I learned to really accept myself and really learn how to accept my warts and all you know yeah. what I mean so let's talk
2: about when yeah. that mask began to slip then and you began to get well what happened then
4: yeah so as, as I said um Basically, I was in, you know, I was in a real rut, and and my sort of a, a friend of mine suggested uh, the the living room in Cardiff, and and said just you got nothing to lose, just go. I went to AA. I tried to get help in sort of hypnotism. All, all I tried everything, you know. I was at a point of trying, so I, I went into the living room, and um, I I never forget my first meeting really with uh, with Winford actually, and uh, I went in there, and he he just kind of I never forget. He threw his book at me. You know, and it was, um, he just said, go, go away and read that. And I went, ah, okay. I sat there with like broken teeth. So, Um, and, and I just, I just worked the, the, the system. I just kept, for some reason, I just kept coming back and I kept coming back to the living room and, and they were supporting me. And I met the most wonderful, inspiring people at the living room with the most amazing stories. And my recovery, you know, I felt that I could do it now because I wasn't alone and I knew that there was other people at the living room who were in recovery as well at many different stages of their recovery I found that always helped that there were people in there from a year up to 25 years or mm-hmm. 10 years or different stages you know of, of, of sobriety and and um, you know I, I think there was the, the first and the second year I'm not going to be like that, that those were the hardest years because you're really, as you said, you're taking off the mask, and you're trying to to be as true and honest with yourself as you possibly can, and everybody around you. Which, you know, that that's a hard and uh, definitely vulnerable. Yeah, I can remember putting up because um, I wrote a poem um, about my addiction, which is it, it went quite it went quite mad on social media, to be honest. Um, but I can remember writing the the, the bio. And um, it's it's the one where it starts. I wanted to share this post because it's close to my heart. Most people know that I'm a DJ on stage and I make people happy on a Friday and Saturday night. However, when you take off that mask, mm. this is me. And I, you know, that iconic. That's that's yeah. another song I could have chose from the Greatest Showman. This is me yeah. because I remember putting and I never forget putting that post out there on social media um, and being like, "Yeah, this is me, guys." And and I was absolutely shitting myself if you just part of my you know words of language here sorry about that but I was I can remember having like in I didn't want to look at my phone all day because it was like flip I've just it was like I come out you know what I mean I've, I've just Ooh. come out and said like this is this is me I'm, I'm struggling but I I knew with the power of the living room and the people I knew I had that comfort there that I could go in and, and be but I knew I had their back in if you like all the other people in recovery I knew that no matter what I go into the living room and talk about how how that made me feel in the post but it was completely the opposite to what I was feeling I don't know what I was expecting everything was negative I was expecting back but I didn't get that and when I had the most amount of love and support and oh my gosh you know I I didn't know and and, and all of this the amount of love and support that I had w- w- was absolutely astronomical it, it it was fantastic and and knowing that you know, I had Rach by my side and, yeah. and also my, my kids were rooting for me and said, Dad, come into the school and talk about, you know, you're a, you're a dick. That, that's amazing. Come and in, come into yeah. our school and talk about your recovery. Talk about, you know, I was I was inspiring people. I was like, yeah, let, let's do this. And, and no one can really take you down, you know?
2: No. So I, I continue unconditional- to try and inspire that unconditional love that you talked about when you were younger so I, I guess you were getting that from the living room yeah. warts what's all the real you
4: yeah it was like uh in the living room my nan was there with a big open wide hug and then when I met Rach yeah. as well my nan was there because I see a lot of my nan through Rach as well like there's some things I'm like why are you picking like because sometimes you know it's very bizarre like how yeah. how it works um but it's fake, yeah James. I do see, yeah it is it is that yeah and um but i'm just I'm very very grateful to be here and that is thank you to the guys at the living room and you know at, at very ad and and what they do those guys on there are absolutely incredible and you know this recovery now radio listen to it, share it with your friends because it 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 works and it's phenomenal and like you know yeah. anyway, I'll shut up now <laughs> <laughs>
2: I thought you weren't going to for a bit.
4: <laughs> Listen, like, this is the worst, because once you start me on, on a little tangent or whatever, you yeah. will never shut me up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'll yeah. I'll give it a good go now. Let's All move right. on. <laughs> okay. To the Red Hot Chili Peppers with yes. Under the Bridge. Why do to... you like this song?
4: Uh, well, it just talks about, I mean, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are like my favourite band, and I, I think this song really... It's about isolation, addiction and recovery all in one. But it's managed in a, this song is managed in a gentle and triumphant way. It's absolutely insane, brilliant. So one of my favorite songs by the Chili's. There we go.
1: Sometimes I feel like I don't
2: The Red Hot Chili Peppers with "Under the Bridge." You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. What a roller coaster of a show you've taken me through, James. I've been uh, <laughs> wiping my eyes, laughing my head off.
4: <laughs> no, that I think that's just yeah me, and it it, it just gives you an inkling of uh, pretty much my life. Really, it has been one massive roller coaster, and uh, yeah, I had to kind of do this show. Um, as uh, you know to bring people, you know, highs, lows, ups, downs, because that's life, isn't it? Really? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, life is a roller coaster. As um yeah. as roller coaster. Another Keaton song there.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> but it is, you know, it's true. Um, yeah.
2: Well, James, um given everything that I know about you now yeah. and your constant strive for achievement and
4: more, yeah.
2: Do you think that you can or maybe you already have learned to grow without it being a condition that you've got to meet, you can just gradually grow. And what have you learned about yourself?
4: Yeah, it's quite, um, it's quite mad because 2019, I suppose before, you know, this, this, this COVID and everything happens like my, my life was, well, I suppose everything was going right for me. Everything was taking off. I, you know, Gavin and Stacey Christmas special. I was in a big series on a, a HBO series. I, my, my orchestral beats thing was, was gonna, you know, we were going to perform at some really iconic venues. Um, and I think everything in 2019 before COVID hit really was taking off for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, COVID strikes and, and then, and then it, you know, didn't didn't happen. And I felt as if I was starting my recovery all over again. And, um, you know, I, I feel as if I started my recovery three and a half years ago um, and I've started it at the beginning of COVID because it's actually, I'm trying to, you know, make make, make peace with, with my head and realize that I've, I've got everything that I need right now. I'm, I'm quite successful. Um, you know, I live in a beautiful house, beautiful dog, Rachel's most amazing person to share my life with um but it's just you know it's teaching myself really less is more i think you know what absolutely. i mean
2: absolutely yeah and that
4: is um that's very tricky, considering you know like i don't know and, and I especially think with social media as well, the pressure of that really mm. you know and 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 if you're along especially with the music industry and you know you're kind of a DJ and producer and you feel as if you've got to keep up with everybody else or whatever but man I'm in my own lane I I have to tell myself I'm in my own lane I'm doing exactly what I need to do you know and, and 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 as I say I'm getting married in 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 two weeks and that's 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 like a you know a, a fresh start you know what I mean yeah I'll be I'll be married again which is I always said the first time round, I never get married again because of my experiences before, but I boil that down to just being very young. Like I know now the second time round, you know, with Rach, I know that I found somebody, as I said, who I can share the rest of my life with, who is a very strong, very incredible, amazing person. And I, I couldn't be happier, but still in my head, my anxiety and depression, I still need to regulate it a lot of the time Um, and it's coming back to my recovery
2: yeah well anxiety and depression I think is hugely common and um, we all have to live the ups and downs of life don't we but it sounds like you're making peace with yourself now and you're accepting that things are okay actually
4: yeah yeah Um, (laughs) things things are okay I mean as I say in COVID, like it completely took, everything was out of my control and it comes back, you know, that the serenity prayer, I've got to repeat the serenity prayer every day, except the things you cannot change, coach to change things that can and the wisdom to know the difference. I got to remember that every single day, every day, especially with COVID completely taking Why something that you adds, can't control, wiping yeah. right? everybody out. There's not a person around the world who hasn't been affected by COVID, you know, in some way. And you know, that's why I think for me, it's, it's been my DJ and it's been getting in front of a crowd in front of an audience. And you could do this stuff on Zoom, like, you know, a, a DJ on Zoom or DJ yeah. on the internet, but it's not the same. And I, it, you have no reaction from a crowd there, you know, and it's been really difficult to, you know, get those highs that you felt in the song, you know, with people jumping around and, and yeah. going, you know, there's nothing better. And, and that's what I was missing, really. So I, I had to do something to um, fill my time, if you like, over, over COVID. And I actually, you know, I, I had to be proactive and get a job in, in social care. So that's what I do at the moment. And yeah. um, I, I, I guess, really um, love working with um, a guy on a song, you know?
2: Yeah. We'll talk about that now. Yeah. I, I guess you've got to believe, actually, that what you are is a
4: hundred yeah. percent. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I, before we talk about this next song, which is your song, James, I'm very excited about this.
4: Well, yeah. And it's um, yeah. Collaborative collaborations. Yeah, People are yeah. getting to it now, but yeah.
2: I just want to thank you so much for coming in and talking to us. And I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in as well. I want to thank The Living Room and Adveriad and I want to make sure that people comment, share, follow and recover, because that's what it'll lead you to, guys. If yeah. you if you if you think you're alone in this world, we're here and we're just like you. Yeah. And um, moving on to your final song then, James, which is called Sometimes by yourself. Ben Banjofield featuring Duke Al and the lovely Rachel Allen, your fiance. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us what this song is about.
4: So this song um I uh work with a producer called uh Ben Banjo Fields and we got in the studio and it was originally meant to be a disco track, but um Duke Al, he suffers from OCD. I think like Ben has like died and come back to life. He died for 13 minutes. Obviously, Rachel, what she's been going through with um you know, my addiction and everything everything in this song, someone's had some sort of mental health or something that's really affected them and and it shows it through the through the song
2: let's have so a listen james
4: all right this daily mental marathon
9: is exhausting you see my alarm went off on your marks ready get set bang like the sound of a gun overthinking was triggered every feeling of calm was shot i was stunned my body went numb anxiety alive inside of me quietly i'm quivering it's slithering diminishing delivering the pain again it's crippling but i'm never giving in I find it difficult talking. I need a helping hand to take a step, start walking. Sometimes
3: you feel hard. Sometimes you. Feel-
9: In the sea canoe in here. Yeah, reach out for a helping hand, we can both use the oars. You're gonna be okay, you can talk as we row to the shore.